The most exciting developments and the best cancer outcomes occur with cancer clinical trials. The major focus of the moonshot reignition, and, and President Biden has stated this, is that we have to improve access to cutting-edge cancer care to minority and underserved populations. I am David Reich-Hale, and this is 20-Minute Health Talk. Earlier this month, President Biden placed a focus on the White House's Cancer Moonshot Initiative, which is pumping $1.8 billion into cancer research over seven years. Money from the Moonshot Initiative, which dates back to the Obama administration, has already flowed into more than 300 research projects nationwide. The Moonshot's goal is to cut cancer deaths in half in 25 years. To get there, however, specific research hurdles need to be cleared, according to experts, including the need to diversify clinical trials. Today, we are joined by Dr. Richard Barakat, physician-in-chief and the director of the Northwell Cancer Institute. Dr. Barakat, how are you? Good afternoon, David. Thank you very much for having me here today. Absolutely. And we are also joined by Dr. Dave Tuvison, director of the Cold Spring Harbor Lab Cancer Center. Dr. Tuvison, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, David and uh, Dr. Barakat. It's my pleasure to, to participate today. So, Dr. Barakat, the moonshot dates back to 2017. And what has it meant so far for cancer research? And also, what does Biden's reinvigorating this mean? Right. So, the whole purpose of the cancer moonshot was really to accelerate the pace of uh, cancer research and an effort to get scientists to work together more closely, to collaborate with each other, and to share data. And I think that's something that's extremely important. Uh, scientists often are guarding some of their discoveries closely and may not be prone to sharing things until they've had a chance to publish it. Uh, and you see the benefit of when you work together and you share data. And I'll give you a current example. Take, for example, the production of the mRNA vaccines. Multiple companies were working on developing a vaccine for COVID-19. And those were developed in a the period of nine months. And that's not typical for vaccine development. So the same in cancer. If you have everyone collaborating, sharing data, uh, uh, working on sharing their information with as many people as possible, you're going to accelerate the pace of cancer discoveries. What the reinvigoration really signifies is a chance to uh, come back together, unite, and continue this process. Uh, it's a it's a, a wonderful goal to decrease cancer deaths by 50 percent uh, by 2025. Uh, by, I'm sorry, by 25 years, but. Equally important, President Biden put a focus on cancer survivorship. Uh, cancer patients have side effects. They have comorbid medical conditions. And we really want to take care of the entire patient in a holistic manner. Uh, cancer is a big uh, part of the healthcare problem, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum. There are side effects of treatment. There, they have other diseases that have to be cared for. So, really, this represents a focus on taking care of all of those issues, or what's commonly known as survivorship. And, and Dr. Tuvison, one point eight billion dollars go into is, are going into research. I think one point two billion of that has already been 
put out, but there's another 600 million earmarked through 2023. How does the money get to you? Uh, thank you, uh, David, for this question. And so um, our country funds medical research um, as one of uh, the amazing things that, that we do based upon uh, the money we get from taxpayers. And so you pay taxes to keep your country safe from foreign invaders. Those, that Some of that money actually helps to keep us safe from health problems. And so tax dollars go to the National Institutes of Health and they're distributed to the different divisions and branches of the NIH. And the National Cancer Institute is one of these branches. Now, the moonshot money, which was earmarked during uh, the presidency of, of President Obama, um, that is actually a special appropriation, which was um, passed by Congress. And so that's an additional bolus of resources that came through Congress, uh, the 1.8 billion that you talked about, goes to the NCI, and then um, smart scientists and clinicians apply to work on the problems that Dr. Barakat talked about. And so um, uh, Dr. Barakat talked about survivorship. And you know, when many of these projects that were uh, funded in the first time had to do with how can we get more survivors? Well, we get more survivors if we have better medicines, we have better therapies and if we have better ways to detect cancer early or prevent it. And so many of the projects that happened were those topics and scientists across the country at medical centers and other higher educational institutes could apply for this money by having an idea they would submit in a grant application. It's like a term paper, but with reasons behind why you think your idea will stop cancer and make it a more tractable problem uh, for the patients with cancer. And so David, again, uh, this is where our taxes really are working uh, for the health of our, uh, of our citizens in this country. We are very generous, more than any country on the planet, in funding health research. That's the reason why in America, we actually invent the best medicines to fight diseases like cancer. Now, Dr. Barakat, my partner um, here, uh, in fighting cancer will tell us we still have a ways to go because many of our patients are still sick. And so again, I hope this was not too long of an answer for all of you. Please pay your taxes. They're put to... <laughs> well, the, so let's talk a little bit about the research that has taken place so far from Moonshot. Uh, can, you, can you get into that a little bit? What are some of the accomplishments? Sure. Yeah, so just like uh, Dr. Bearcat was mentioning, we have cancers where um, the outcomes when a patient is diagnosed with the cancer are not very good. Um, so cancers like uh, pancreas cancer, ovarian cancer, glioblastoma, which is a type of brain cancer. These are diseases where unfortunately most of the patients diagnosed don't make it. They lose to the cancer. The cancer defeats them. There were special earmarked funds for people to go after these really hard to treat cancers and ways to come up with new therapies and new ways to diagnose these diseases early. And so there was actually an effort which was called the Preneoplasia Project. Now that's a, like a wordy thing that won't roll off the tongue of many of you all out there. But again, cancer starts as a small process that you can barely see with your eyes. And usually you have to use a microscope to see it. And if you could find it when it's so small that your eyes can't see it, that's the time when doctors can really fix you 
they can either operate on you and remove that piece of tissue, or they can treat you with medicines or even radiation to try to remove the preneoplasia. And if you can do that, you basically stop the disease before it starts. The problem we've always had is understanding preneoplasia. And so one of our big programs started you know, about five years ago now was a preneoplasia atlas to, to assemble a dictionary of what does early cancer look like for these cancers I just mentioned and for many others, lung cancer, yeah. stomach, colon, breast, prostate, et cetera. That was a really successful uh, investment. Many uh, scientific findings were made that have influenced the care of patients today. And so that's just one example, uh, David. Um, there are many others. And um, it's it was very exciting, this sort of part one of the Blue Ribbon uh, panel and, and uh, this increased you know push uh, for new ways to go after cancer. So part two is even more exciting because it puts the patient in the center. Um, and as Dr. Barakat said, we now have some survivors We'd like to keep people surviving forever. So it's made a, it's made a difference already then. Oh, yeah. Y yeah, and I think, and uh, to Dr. Tuveson's point, these exciting developments, and that's just one of the many things that have been funded by the Moonshot Program. The One of the things that I really uh, admire about the, the Moonshot Program is that investigators who are funded by the Moonshot Program have to publish their results in open access journals. So you don't have to pay for a subscription. Um, and I think that's terrific so that all of that research is put out there. There's research taking place right now, correct? Yeah. And and where are we in, in that research? Is there something that we can talk, that we can focus on? Well, you know, I think when you're talking about research, just so that we are all on the same page, um, the the most exciting developments and the best cancer outcomes occur with cancer clinical trials. That's where you take some of the incredible new drugs that are developed at places like Dr. Tuveson's uh, institution, Cold Spring Harbor Cancer Center, where you come up with novel therapies that can then be translated from the bench, from the research lab, to the bedside. And it's been shown that the best outcomes in cancer occur with cancer clinical trials. Unfortunately, a small percentage of the cancer population actually enrolls in cancer clinical trials. And a big push is to get more and more patients uh, in, enrolled in those trials. One of the big problems that we have, and it's really one of the, uh, it's a major focus of the moonshot reignition, and, and President Biden has stated this, is that we have to improve access to cutting-edge cancer care to minority and underserved populations. Um, currently, uh, when you look at the breakdown uh, of populations in the United States, 13% are African-American, 16% are Hispanic, but only 3% of the African-American uh, cancer population is on cancer clinical trials and only 6% of the Hispanic population. And that's actually... Uh, not good, because if you look at cancer outcomes, we know that there are disparities in outcomes and that African-American men, for example, are twice as likely 
to die of uh, cancer than the, uh, their Caucasian counterparts. We know that the death rate from prostate cancer is much higher in African Americans from pancreatic cancer. We know that uterine cancer, which has become a very common cancer that occurs in women, um, is much more uh, likely to have a bad outcome and result in death in African American women versus Caucasians. Why has it been harder to get certain groups to participate? Well, uh, some of it is, histor- is historical. We know that um, it, you know uh, in the fifties and forties, fifties, sixties, there were some trials that were done, which uh, perhaps by I mean completely by today's standards would be unethical. So there's a lack of trust in certain communities. Um, these are complicated trials, and it takes a real effort to get into the different communities, into diverse communities. There can be language barriers. You need uh, to educate uh, patients about their cancers. Uh, You need to explain to them about these complicated trials. Um, Again, bringing it to current times, we had difficulty getting African-Americans and Hispanics vaccinated against COVID-19, which is a disease that was much more likely to harm them and result in their death. But we made that effort by going into the communities, by speaking at community centers, by going to churches, et cetera. So that's what we're going to do in cancer. We have a very robust community outreach program here. We're partnered with Debbie Salas Lopez, the head of community affairs for our healthcare system. And even on the governance board of the Cancer Institute, we have a, a minister from the African-American community and a, a member of the Hispanic community who's really involved and outreach efforts who's joining us. In addition, our scientific advisory board of the Cancer Institute shares members with Cold Spring Harbor Cancer Center and is a very diverse board consisting of gender diversity, ethnic diversity, and scientists from all over the country who are members, many of whom who are directors of comprehensive cancer centers who have a passion for working on healthcare disparities and improving outcomes for all patients. Because one of the things that Biden said, and Ned Sharpless, the director of the National Cancer Institute, quoted this in his speech to the American Association of Cancer Research. President Biden did not say that we need to improve cancer outcomes for some people. We need to improve it for all, regardless of race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status. The clinical trial issue around certain groups has been there for a while, right? Right. It's 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 well known, and um, really the commitment that we're seeing here at the Northwell Cancer Institute to cancer clinical trials is unparalleled. Um, the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research, which is really uh, the research engine of the entire healthcare system, um, has uh, that institute has five separate institutes and is just world-class research in, uh, uh, in bioelectronic medicine, uh, psychiatry. Uh, and what we're doing now is really building up the cancer research infrastructure. Through the Feinstein, we've received tremendous support to dramatically increase the number of uh, staff in our cancer clinical trials office. Um, I think we've got an unbelievable opportunity here. We've built brand new labs in the Feinstein Institute of Cancer Research. We're recruiting world-class cancer scientists. And the beauty of the relationship that we have with Cold Spring Harbor is those scientists are going to be appointed at both 
the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research, and Cold Spring Harbor. And that's exactly what the Moonshot program was trying to achieve, to achieve that collaboration and uh, between scientists and that sharing of data. I look at the triumvirate of the research engine and excellence that the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research under the, the directorship of Kevin Tracy, who's the head of the Feinstein uh, Institute, the powerful cancer research being done at Cold Spring Harbor Cancer Center, and the clinical horsepower of the healthcare system that takes care of more New Yorkers with cancer than anyone else, I think that triumvirate is really poised to transform the way that cancer care is delivered in the United States. And quoting uh, Dr. Sharpless, the director of uh, the National Cancer Institute, uh, who we had an opportunity to talk about the relationship of, of these three bodies, he said, what you're doing truly can change how cancer care is delivered, but it has to be practice changing, paradigm shifting, and policy making. And the policy making part is not to be ignored because currently when the FDA approves drugs, they approve it based on trials that are done at large centers. And if you look at the distribution of the patients on those trials, they tend to be patients who have access to those uh, comprehensive centers and they don't reflect the diversity of the general population. And unfortunately, what can happen after you try those drugs in the real world, is you find out, well, it didn't actually work as well in African Americans or in Native Americans or, or in Hispanics because they weren't really represented on those clinical trials. So I think we are really poised to transform the way that cancer care is delivered to the most diverse populations. As you may know, Queens is the most diverse community in the world with over 160 spoken languages. We are building a cancer center there and we will get clinical trials there to those patients and we will get their blood and tissue to the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research and to the Cold Spring Harbor Cancer Center. And I think what we learn will truly result in many more lives being saved because we want to not only meet President Biden's goal, we want to exceed it. And you want to be able to connect with this incredibly diverse populace in Queens in their language, in their culture. Right. And I think that's why it takes a great deal of effort. It, it takes work to explain cancer clinical trials. You need uh, people that are proficient in different languages. I can tell you in Queens, we brought on a medical group that sees patients based on language. The doctors and the staff are fluent in over 30 languages. And there's a trust factor that's involved in discussing complex medical treatments when somebody's speaking to you in your own language when you're hearing it from a third person. Um, but to me, one of the truly exciting things that will happen is, one, we'll get those patients on the trials they deserve because they deserve to have the best outcomes, just like anyone does. But we will learn so much from them as we take their blood and tissue and we get it to our researchers at Cold Spring Harbor, at the Feinstein Institute, uh, and really discover, make discoveries that will change uh, the outcomes of cancer patients. And Dr. Tuvison, the cancer moonshot 
aims to lower mortality rate by 50% in the next 25 years. If that's reached, that's going to save about 300,000 American lives annually. That's a staggering number. Can we get there? If we're able to follow the formula that worked for lung cancer and melanoma, then we have a chance of lowering mortality by 50% in 25 years. The challenge, of course, today is we don't yet have the way to prevent many of our cancers if we don't know what causes them. Um, we have an obesity epidemic right now. Obesity is related to early onset diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer of particular types, intestinal cancer, liver, pancreas, breast, uterine are some of the uh, tumor, tumors that are stimulated by obesity. It's across the board. Yeah. Across the board. So yeah. identifying, you know, so primary prevention would be eat differently, certainly eat less calories, but eat a healthier diet, have more exercise, try to lower um, the body mass index that, that humans have. That's possible. It would require a societal response an individual driver, but the society would have to recognize this as a goal. Early detection. Well, this is where, again, new science, new research by clinicians and uh, laboratory scientists is really crucial. We're looking for, for example, a blood test for cancer. And there have been advances in this space over the last several years. Uh, what Dr. Sharpless would like to do is really push that forward. And, and President Biden would like to do the same. Let's detect that cancer early. I think that'll be a great way to identify early cancers in patients. The last though is, is on my side of the fence, new therapies. We need new therapies. We always need new therapies and we need better therapies. They're coming. Um, we have the best surgeons on the planet. We have terrific radiation oncologists. My field is medical oncology. We need better drugs in our toolbox. And they are coming thanks to years of investment in research and collaboration with the biopharmaceutical industry. How will we find them? Those clinical trials that Dr. Barakat talked about. We need clinical trials. We need every cancer patient to have a chance of a cancer clinical trial or more than one where they can have the opportunity to um, participate and help tell us, are these the right drugs or not? And so what Dr. Barakat described is essential. Without the clinical trials, we'll never have that advance. We'll never get this 50% reduction in mortality. It's all related. So again, that was hopefully a succinct enough answer uh, to you, David. We can get there, but it's gonna require a commitment in all three fronts, prevention, early detection, better therapies. Well, Dr. Barakat and Dr. Tuvison, thanks so much for joining us. This is a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting things that are going to happen, and we really look forward uh, to meeting uh, what uh, the challenge that President Biden has put out for us. And I think by working with all of our partners, as we've talked today, uh, I think we're going to get there. Right, uh, Dr. Tuvison? Absolutely, uh, Dr. Bearcat. Uh, David, thank you so much for uh, hosting us today, and, and we hope that this has been illuminating for your listeners. Oh, this was great. And 300,000 lives annually, right? That's, that's our hope. That's a great goal, if not more. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today 
Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.